Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined tonight by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing? What's up, man? How's it going, dude? Everything going well? Yep, going well. Just uh, ready to dig into some more Dynasty conversation. Absolutely. Uh, we are privileged to be joined tonight by uh, one of my good friends, one of my uh, uh, my biggest Dynasty influences, uh, Mr. Jeff T. Fertiller. Uh, staff writer at Football Guys. Jeff, how's it going? Awesome, and I think you may give me too much credit, but I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I think Jeff has probably been at Football Guys for, I don't know, close to 10 years now, Jeff. Is that right? Started in 07. Yeah, getting getting close. We've been playing in uh, leagues against each other since, uh, since about that same time, and uh, Definitely uh, one of the guys I respect the most in this in this hobby of ours. So, uh, and and really to me one of one of the guys and Jeff I know we've had these conversations all the time in the past the past ten years or so. But you you were really the the one who hit home the importance of player value for me and and kind of just under not only the importance of understanding that value but how to manipulate that to build the best dynasty rosters uh, that that's possible. So. Thank you for that, and I think uh, that makes you the perfect guest for our topic tonight. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. <clears throat> so over at, at DLF, Dynasty League Football, where, uh, where you can find my work, we have just released our February ADP data. That's the average draft position data, and, and I've talked about this before, but again, that's the average of six different mock drafts that, that we put together, and it just helps... Uh, dynasty owners, especially this time of year when people are starting to form new leagues and and really assess their their teams in their existing leagues, helps them to get a good hold on what the current value of each player is. And tonight we're going to be looking at at a few players that each of us consider overvalued and undervalued based on that dynasty ADP. Hey Ryan, but can I stop you real quick? I, I just want to run something by you, and we haven't talked about this off the air. But is this something you guys do once a month? Does this, does this information come out? Yeah, yeah, it's it's once a month during the off season, and and we'll hit it a couple times during the season as well. Okay. So, um, All together, we probably have about ten months of data per year, uh, and it is monthly because you know these are dynasty startup drafts, and for our listeners that maybe haven't been involved in in one of those. Uh, I know Matt's done just one. Uh, most of those drafts take at least two weeks. You know, there's uh, 20 to 25 rounds, sometimes even more than that. Um, they use what's called a slow clock, meaning most teams have as much as six, eight, 12 hours to make their pick. Hopefully, hopefully most guys don't take that long, but it is it is a uh, sometimes a long running event. So our mock drafts take usually between one to two weeks to to complete, and then we get that data on the site as quickly as we can. Okay, cool. So maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for you and I and whoever we have on the show to react to these every month. You know, I mean, there is a lot of change this time of year. And I guess my one question, too, is for somebody that really spikes, Marshawn Lynch, Calvin Johnson, Heath Miller, or if someone's value just goes crazy, I mean, Golden Tate because Calvin – retired. Do, will that be influence or are those kind of things a little bit slower to react because you have a large database? I think you can see some of that influence. It, it depends on the player and it depends on the, the timing of the um, of the event. Like for example, you know, we saw last week uh, the Bears announced Matt Forte would not would not be coming back, which that's something we kind of saw coming, but it, I guess it was it was made official last week. Well, our uh, February drafts were already nearly complete, so you know you might you might take a look at that ADP and expect Forte to be lower, Jeremy Langford to be higher in in that data, and and uh, just unfortunately sometimes the timing doesn't make that possible. But I, I would expect those changes in March. Okay, cool. Well, I just wanted to get, make that clear to myself and all the listeners. So very cool. Let's get this rolling. All right, so here's here's what we're going to do tonight. We'll take a look at each of the four main positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. 
And I just want to hear um, one guy that that you two have pegged as. Uh, we'll start with overvalued. So one player that you think is overvalued based on the ADP data, and I think you guys have both had had a chance to look at that. So we really want to compare those players within the positions. For example, we we don't want to make a statement of um, Cam Newton is the he's the quarterback one and he's just being taken too high. He's been t being taken with this running back or or near this receiver. So we're just instead of that we're going to compare the players within their own positions. So we we will get started with quarterback and we'll let our guest Jeff get us started. Jeff, who did you see as a quarterback was that was being overvalued in our February drafts? For me, and this I know people are going to hate is Brady. And I say that only because I know Cousins is easier and some of the rookies are easier, but a guy that's 38, we don't know when the wall's coming. He tailed off a little bit down the season. Week 17, I know many didn't have their finals that week, but he had 6.7 fantasy points. Under 15 in week 16. Uh, I just wonder if he's going to be able to pull that out, you know, reward his owners. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. You know, Brady obviously had another great year overall, but um... – as you mentioned, you know he's 38 years old, and if you're building a brand new team in a dynasty startup, is th is that a guy you want to invest in? Um, he's he was the quarterback eight in our February data. Um, some of the other older quarterbacks, you know, Drew Brees was quarterback 11 uh, several rounds later. Um, Carson Palmer was quarterback 15 uh, again several rounds later, and in, in the 170s was his ADP. So. Yeah, just building around and spending spending uh, almost a top 100 pick on Brady. Uh, I can see that him being a guy you would want to avoid. Matt, what do you think about Brady? Yeah, it's funny because I looked at this list and there's a handful of things that really stood out to me. And one of them was Brady's your QB8 and Drew Brees is my quarterback 11. And to me, they should be right next to each other. I mean, all indications this last month or so is Breeze is staying in New Orleans. I guess that's good. I mean, I think Sean Payton's coming back. Cooks is coming back. So I think his production is not going to go go away. I think him and Brady are kind of the same guy, that you should lump them together much like Bortles and Carr lumped together at 9 and 10. So that's my take on him. So I agree. I mean, Brady's a little higher than I think – or Breeze is a little lower. Brady's a little higher. But I think they're basically the same guy, and they're not getting you know assessed that way. So a couple other observations I made from this were – the top four go Newton, Luck, Rogers, Wilson. And their ages, respectively, are 26, 26, 32, 27. I love Aaron Rodgers, but one of these things doesn't quite belong, in my opinion. You know, I mean, as great as he is, and I'm the biggest fan ever. Anyone that's ever followed me knows I'm in love with this guy as a football player. But I think he has to be behind those other three just in terms of his age. And then the last thing, two of the things I saw were, one guy that stood out to me is overrated, and that's Teddy Bridgewater at 17. I think he's a limited passer. We've talked about him before on this show. I think he's Alex Smith, I mean, for better or worse. I, I don't see him as anything close to a Carr, Bortles, Winston, Mariota in terms of upside. I think he's always going to be a limited passer. I think they're always going to have to design the offense to massage the quarterback position to some degree. And then the one that really stands out to me and I know he's not popular. Nobody wants him on their dynasty team. But how's Jay Cutler number 28? Matt, he's on my list for the next topic. There we go. Okay. Oh, oh. I, I don't. I go off script, Jeff. You, I'm, I apologize. But hey, I, I, Matt, I, I get on a roll. Oh, it's all right. Hey, Matt, the part that gets to me is you talked about Brady versus Breeze. How about Brady yeah. versus Palmer, who's 15? Yeah, good point. Jeff, you mentioned uh, Cousins might be the easy guy to peg as being over overrated, overdrafted, overvalued, however you want to phrase that. Uh, but I guess I guess I took the easy way out. He's the quarterback 13 in our in our February data. Um, he obviously had a great year, you know, a, a major surprise to all of us. I don't think anybody with with the drama in in Washington with Robert Griffin uh, the third, and and then they went to Cousins and benched. Benched RG3. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, but now he's a free agent. 
we, I, it's safe to assume he'll be staying in Washington either, most likely through the franchise tag. Um, but there's clearly some hesitancy to sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, I've seen rumors that Pierre Garcon could be cut. Uh, Deshaun Jackson could be cut. They're, they're certainly going to let go of uh, Alfred Morris, who's, who's a free agent. So that team could be very different next season. And, you know, and who's, who's to say if where Cousins goes after that? So I, I just can't see investing, uh, you know, in Cousins as the 13th quarterback off the board. He's, you know, he's ahead of Philip Rivers. He's ahead of Palmer that you guys mentioned. He's ahead of Matt Ryan. So I, I guess I'm really surprised that he ended up that high in our, in our February data. Ryan, can I piggyback off that real quick? Absolutely. I think, this, I think this team absolutely wants – they didn't show at the end of the year, but for them to be successful, they know who their quarterback is. They go out and spend big money on offensive linemen, offensive line coach Bill Callahan. They want to run the football, run the football, and like I said about Teddy Bridgewater, massage the quarterback position. They got away without doing that at the end of the year, but I think that's uncharacteristic. And something we said, I think, last podcast was if we talked again in November – I don't think it would blow any of us away or December. Hey, Kirk Cousins lost his starting job. I mean, that's not going to happen to Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Tony Romo, Eli Manning, guys that are picked well after him. Yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, RG3 is definitely gone. They'll be adding another quarterback, you know, most likely through the draft, maybe through free agency. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, his, I, I don't consider him a, a safe pick as the, uh, 13th quarterback off the board. Now, hey, Ryan, can I chime in? Sure. What was interesting to me is um, on Cousins, I admit that is no cheap shot at you at all. <laughs> to me, That's all right. Bortles and Carr have as much flaws also, but they're younger, so we give them a pass. What's interesting is the mock draft three, which is the one that buoyed uh, the Cousins ADP. He was drafted only get this, I want to say it slowly, it's 11 spots after Roethlisberger. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, that's what happens with, you know, with these mocks. We do have, we, we run six of them, which um, over the years I found is, gives us enough volume to, um, I, I guess, hide picks like that, that, you know, we... Right that some people might call a bad pick, a reach. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe Cousins' value is actually more in the 170s instead of the 160 area where, where his current ADP is. Yeah, that's all I was trying to say is I was trying to give you the benefit of doubt there that just that <laughs> one person took him high. But how do you guys – Look at that. About... Real quick, Jeff, just – you made a great point there, but that must have been one of those weird drafts because – in the first 127 picks, it looks like 12 quarterbacks went. So there was some sort of a run. You know, they started just going quicker for whatever reason in that particular draft, which could happen in any. I mean, that's not how I think any of us play that dynasty, but it sort of explains it away a little bit. Right. I just meant, though, it would normally be a little higher. You oh, know, you're right. I felt desperate. But to me, those young guys, Carr and Bortles, it's going to be interesting to watch it in dynasty drafts because some people either love them or they fade, right? I know Matt's uh, Matt likes one of those two a lot, don't you? I like all of them. I mean, I like Winston, I like Mariota, I like Bortles, I like Carr for the real world, especially, and for fantasy. For dynasty, I don't like investing in quarterbacks, but I believe in these two four players. Well, the great thing is even, you know, most of those guys, even though they're young, they're, you know, being valued as quarterback ones, they're still only probably going to cost you a second round, a second round rookie pick. That's, that's just where the quarterback market is right now. Um, and, and I think, I think you guys both made an interesting point on the, the one draft where quarterbacks were, were coming off the board so much earlier. I mean, Derek Carr was drafted, um, about 20 spots higher than his ADP. Drew Brees was drafted 35 spots higher than his ADP. So, so that was that trend just in that draft. Again, for whatever reason, it's tough to say, 
somebody somebody forced a run. Maybe that just happened to be that group. But I think that goes uh, or that shows the importance of really kind of being in touch with your league and and knowing and being able to to see what is happening and and how your league mates are valuing players. You know, you can't just pull up that ADP whether it's through DLF or or any site and expect to be able to get that player at that spot just because ADP says so. Um, so every draft is different, every league is different, and you have to uh, to do the best you can to know your opponents and and to be able to analyze what's happening in that draft. Because if that's in a draft either of us are in, Ryan, and I'm sure Matt, you're the same way. I I'm I'm happy when those runs ha- go on. Oh yeah. Because I'm happy having a Tony Romo, Eli Manning combination and then pick up a rookie, right? Get those guys around pick 200 and then get somebody else. I mean, and you do the math, that means you get an extra receiver or running back that anybody doesn't have. Right. Isn't that you, Ryan, as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a good segue. Uh, both Romo and Eli Manning were actually my picks for the undervalued side, so we'll, we'll move right um, right to that side of things with the quarterback conversation. Um, so Tony Romo was quarterback 23 in our February data, being drafted uh, outside of the top 200. Eli Manning was quarterback 24, uh, being drafted on average right behind Romo at at 200 and, uh, with an ADP of 204. So I mean we know Romo had his injury issues last season. Um, but Eli Manning, quarterback 24 in ADP, he was quarterback 10 last season in in fantasy. So you know we know he has he has the the stud receiver in Beckham. Uh, of course, Romo has Des Bryant still. You know if I'm getting those guys outside of the top 200, like Jeff, like you just said, give me those two guys and and let me focus on running backs and wide receivers, wide receivers especially for you know for my first. 15 or 16 picks. Uh, That's my. I'm an old. I'm an old uh, QB guy. Yeah, the you know the age. Both of those guys, I think, are 35 years old. Um, they're not going to to anchor your dynasty team for for the next 10 years, like you know, like Carr or Luck or Newton might. But with as cheap as quarterbacks are, I don't think you have to worry about that too much. You know, give me one of those guys, and then in a couple of years, I'll trade for. Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford when when they're quote unquote old. Hey Ryan, can I pick up on something that they're just Matt? Forgive me on this rabbit trail. The discrepancy you brought up earlier, Ryan, and I think rightly so, that you can get a quarterback with a second round rookie pick, right? So, so why why would we invest in the Wentz's, Goffs, whomever with a first round rookie pick if we could wait it out? Plus, knowing that if a, I'm just picking on Romo, if Romo is pick 200, pick 200 is worth a lot less than a second-round rookie pick. I mean, there's a delta there that somebody could take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think, you know, it seems like for years that whoever the quarterback won was ended up being a late first-round pick in most drafts. Um, you know, Luck went a little higher. Um RG3 probably went high that year too. Yeah, RG3 went high, but you know, even even last year Winston and Mariota were second round picks in in most of my drafts if I'm remembering correctly. So, I think that's kind of correcting itself. I I've said before on here and on on Twitter. I mean, guys like Goff and Carson Wentz this year um I'm not sure. I think you can maybe get get those guys in the third round of rookie drafts. I think you might be right when it's all said and done and just to, we should probably wrap up the quarterbacks here pretty soon, but if you look at it this way, like every three or four years, I'm going to send my second-round pick for Rivers, Romo, Eli, somebody you know is a good NFL quarterback that's not going to get benched, not going to kill you starting him every week, and then you're going to mine the waiver wire for Cousins, Tyrod Taylor every year. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jeff, before we wrap this up, who did you have – as your undervalued quarterback, I had two, and they. Uh, one, I know you said one. Jay Cutler said that down at quarterback twenty-eight, getting Kevin White, 
you know, I look at their receiver position was a mess this year, plus losing Forte. Uh, and the one that I don't like this guy as a quarterback, but Ryan Tannehill getting uh, Adam Gase I like. Yeah, Tannehill, you know, we talked about this um, when Bloom was on. You know, Teddy Bridgewater and Tannehill were the popular guys last year. They were the young guys who were expected to make that next st- next step into – you know, stardom and and just being dynasty superstars. They were quarterbacks five and six last off season. Um, so Bridgewater is now quarterback seventeen. Tannehill's quarterback nineteen. So things can change quickly. Let's move over now to the running backs, though. Uh, and Matt, we'll start with you this time. Who did you see as as a running back that's maybe being overvalued or overdrafted? Uh, there's two I'm going to mention, and there's one I promised Twitter what we would get into. Lamar Miller, running back six, no thanks. Uh, he's I mean, too. Yeah, I mean, he's just too uncertain. Where is he going to land? He's never been a bell cow. Uh, I just don't trust him. Eddie Lacy at running back nine, too. I mean, at his best, yes, but, boy, he's put some bad tape out there, and I think they're not going to be thrilled just going with him. They're going to do something else there. Um, but the one that really stands out for me is not that – I'm just not a fan, and I'm not saying this is super low for him or super high for him, but Latavius Murray to me is not an NFL starting running back. I very much believe the Raiders, especially because they have more money than they can spend, they're going to have a surplus of assets. I think they're going to bring in somebody that's going to beat him out, and he'll be a backup this year. And we can get into that because a lot of people disagree with me. Yeah, I think I think all those are interesting calls. Um, so for the first time this year, we're including standard deviation along with our ADP data. And Eddie Lacy had one of the highest highest numbers there. You know, he was falling to the fifth and sixth round of some drafts, and some people are still taking him in the um, in the mid third of some of theirs. So that just that just shows where his value is at. Basically, it's all over the board. You know, some some people are still uh, believing in that that name value, he was he was running back two in dynasty last off season before um, you know before Todd Gurley burst on the scene. Um, but I agree, you know, at quarterback um, quarterback nine, he's he's just not a guy I'm I want on my team at all. There's there's probably a dozen guys below him that I would rather have. Oh yeah. I had Lamar Miller and Lacey also. Yeldon as well. All wow. stood out to me. Yeldon, I disagree with you on. I'll, I'm happy to have that conversation. I just don't know if his upside's running back seven. That's that's the only thing I question. See, to me, he's probably – I didn't account for the rookies, and he's my running back five. I like Johnson and Bell and Gurley clearly better. I guess I like Freeman better, but I don't trust Freeman to be right. the man forever. I trust Yeldon to be the man, and that's basically all it is. Is I think he's a B-plus talent. Not great. I mean, he's not girly, but I think he's built for the long haul, every down back, ascending offense, running backs in this neighborhood aren't real attractive to me anyways. So he kind of rose by default for me. I'm a believer. So would you give a first-round rookie pick for him? Uh, I would give up anything – I wouldn't give up one or two, but I'd give up one three for Yeldon right now in a heartbeat. I, I think I probably would as well. I, I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of the conversation on Yeldon. I'm I, I'm not super Take a stand, high. Now, come on. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing I look at though are especially with running backs is basically is is that an offense I want a piece of? You know, do do I want a piece of that Jacksonville offense and and you know they're traditionally cellar dwellers and and just the doormat of the of the NFL. But yeah, they're they're on the rise. I mean that offense is is has the potential to be a high octane offense and and that's that's more goal line touches for Yeldon. I don't see anybody behind him. You know Denard Robinson or in, any of those guys threatening him. I I, I think he's a pretty safe. Uh, safe bet at running back seven. And, and like I said about the Raiders, and you can kind of say this about these teams every year, they have a ton of money to spend in cap. They're going to get better. 
you know, but at least these teams now have quarterbacks. And the thing I'd like about I really can put on the Yeldon resume or buy low is there's no way he's only going to score two touchdowns again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Agree. Uh, on the uh, on the Latavius Murray call, I've seen more than one mock draft, and you know, take that for for what it's worth. But I've seen more than one mock draft with the Raiders taking Ezekiel Elliott um, yeah. in the first round. So you know that would you know some of these guys and and not just not just the running back 20 or the running back 30 but some of these guys in the top 10 are going to have their value squashed on on draft day you know we saw it with um Trey Mason last year people were taking him in the third and fourth round of of startup drafts this time of year and of course by April and May they had Todd Gurley and and Mason was you know roster fodder basically uh, plus Brian Miller and Doug Martin are free agents yeah exactly there's just so much up in the air um, for a while it looked like both would be staying in Florida with their teams now there's it's kind of swung the other way with where there's you know rumors and reports that they'll be leaving the question is who's going to give them a big contract who's going to give any running back a big contract uh, I don't know. Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, Maybe. they have to spend their money. I mean, I, I think Martin goes back to Tampa Bay. It wouldn't blow me away at all if Elliott or Miller ended up in Oakland. So the guy I pegged as overvalued is Carlos Hyde. He's the running back 13. He had, I'm going to fight with you, too. He's one of my undervalued. He had these injury <laughs> issues last year. You know, it, in the end, he just hasn't done much on – on the field, and I mentioned the uh, Jaguars as an offense that I want pieces from, you know, however I can get them. The 49ers, I mean, that ha that's a team, clearly, that looks like a team to avoid when it comes to fantasy. Um, I don't know, Matt. You, you had him as one of your undervalued. What do you see? Well, I, agree. I think they have the worst roster in the league. I very much agree with you that I want zero to do with their offense. Those aren't exactly feathers in Hyde's cap, obviously. But I really like the player. I mean, I think he's a much undervalued, underappreciated talent who I think he catches 30, 40 balls a year for his career. He's a better receiver than people realize. I don't like his situation, like I mentioned, but there's very little competition. And I think Chip Kelly helps him a lot. I mean... They run the football, and they run it quite well, and Hyde did his best work out of a option spread system at Ohio State. So I think this helps him dramatically. I thought he was a little undervalued even before the Kelly hiring because of the injuries and because of the team he's on. But this also goes back to being, you know, like I mentioned with Yeldon, this number, you know, 6 through 12 and running back ranks are all kind of blah, you know, that I wouldn't pay the price and start up probably for any of them, but I'd rather have Hyde than Ingram, Peterson, Rawls, Lacey, Martin, and Miller. Wow, okay. I mean, uh, there's some arguments there, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, Hyde at that point, probably just a guy I would pass on. Players just below him, uh, Derrick Henry, Jamal Charles, Melvin Gordon. I guess with some of those guys, I either see um, more upside or just a safer player in general. If you went one spot further, though, C.J. Anderson's somebody I like. I mean, I think you can make the argument that Anderson's better than all those guys because I don't know that he will have competition. They have so many other needs. You know, they're going to have to sign Miller. They're going to have to rebuild an offensive line. I mean, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's not going to end up in Denver. Lamar Miller's not going to end up in Denver. Right, right. Well, let's talk about guys on, on the other end of the spectrum, guys that are undervalued besides Carlos Hyde. We heard we heard yours, Matt. Jeff, who did you have as, as being undervalued at the running back position? Carlos Williams, especially with all the junk going on with Shady McCoy. And it's kind of interesting that Carlos Williams is already getting drafted ahead of McCoy. And the other guy I like, and I'm out on a limb. I know Brian likes him, maybe not as much as I do, is Duke Johnson. I like both those guys, you know, where that is, running back 25 and 26, below Latavius Murray and some other guys that, you know, I don't think showed as much, even Jeremy Langford that's six, seven spots ahead. Jeff, it's funny you mentioned these guys because 
My overvalued guys were Yeldon, Hyde, and Anderson, who I all talked about. And then Deion Lewis, who we can talk about on the side. But then there was that group of four rookies last year. Abdullah, 24. Williams, at 25. Duke, at 26. Matt Jones, at 27. And I look at all those guys and think, they may lead their league and their, their team in touches. They all showed they can at least play in this league, you know, more so than like a Melvin Gordon. To me, they all had successful rookie seasons, but didn't blow your doors off. I like all those guys at that price. And, and guys like that in that range, you know, overall their ADP is is in the 80s. Um, so that you know that just tells me again to invest in wide receivers early on. If I going into a startup draft and I feel like I can I can get one or two of those guys um, in the sixth, seventh, eighth round then I'm probably, again, taking like five wide receivers to start my draft. I love it, yeah. All right, let's move over to the wide receiver conversation. Um, the overvalued wide receiver. Jeff, who are you Who are you pegging there? Devontae Parker. And okay. I see that middle of, the, middle of the second round of a startup, right? Uh, yep, yep. His ADP overall is... Um, 18, 18.6, so uh, 18, 19. He's the 15th wide receiver off the board overall, and and that's too high for you, Jeff? Yes, I know that when we scan the guys below it, it looks like he might be the best of those that group. You know, the Martavis, Randall Cobb, even though both those guys have backers, T.Y. Hilton, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry. But I look at it the other way. Just a few picks before him is Keenan Allen, a guy that I love that will be on my undervalue. And so I, I just look at I'd rather pay Parker plus than for Keenan Allen than, than have Parker, who's had foot problems at Louisville, foot problems at Miami, and those two guys are the same age. So that's a good way to look at it. If, you know, if, if you've got that mid-second round pick, and you're projecting Parker to maybe be a guy that might be be there for you. If you really prefer Allen, and I, I think most people do, um, there's there's not much of a difference um, in their ADP or or where they fall on this list. But I think Allen would be would be the preference of of most of us. You know, then that's when you look at trading up, or if you're we're talking about an existing league, you're trying to package Parker, who's a hot name. You know, I've seen him being traded, we've all seen him being traded for, uh, you know, in, in some big deals for the 1.01, for, um, you know, A.J. Green, Demarius Thomas, and some of these some of these veterans that have been um, so solid in the past few years. So he, he's definitely carrying some value. Jeff, you kind of alluded to it, and I think, I think that's probably the case. You know, Everybody knows the trend is to build around wide receivers, especially young wide receivers. You get to the middle of the second, and Allen and Jeffrey and Sammy and Cooks, those guys are all gone. And you just grab that next young wide receiver, Devontae Parker. He ended the season um, on a high note, and that has, that has boosted his value. I, I really like Parker, but I agree. He's, he's being overdrafted right now. Yeah, I agree, and I think Jeff had a great point here when you're looking at this list, and unfortunately our listeners are not listening, looking at this list, but they're going to get the idea of it, and they can go to DF, DLF and check it out. But he's at 16, or he's at 15, and I think he's the first one in the in the next tier. You know, like the first 14 to me, I'd clearly rather have than Parker, where 15 all the way down to like 26, the Moncrief, Benjamin, Doro Green, Breck, Beckham, neighborhood, even Kevin, I'd rather Kevin White, I think, than Parker. I, he's much closer to all those guys Jeff mentioned, the next the next 10, the next 12, than he is the first 12 or so. Well, it's funny you mentioned Kevin White. That's uh, actually who I pegged as my uh, receiver who's being overvalued. He is the wide receiver 22. He has yet to step on the field. Um, he had this you know, mysterious low, lower leg injury that cost him his entire rookie season last year. He's older than, you know, than NFL.com seems to think. Um, What's and, the deal with that, by the way? Is uh, he not really 22? Is he like a one of these Puerto Rican pitchers that they you pick up that nobody can figure out how old he is? 
Well, I, I'm not sure where the discrepancy came from, but yeah. It, it, it I know he was a JC guy, and sometimes records get screwed up. You know, when you don't go right through the major school coming out of high school. Right. At, at one point in in the process, two different dates came out, and what um, what finally, I guess, solidified it for for us dynasty nerds on Twitter is um, last year on his birthday, and I don't I don't remember his exact birth date, but last year on his birthday, the Chicago Bears Twitter um, page wished, wished him a happy, uh, I think they said 22nd birthday, and his girlfriend actually responded to that tweet and and just said 23rd or 23, so, um, you know, that gave a little clarity to to the situation. If, if anybody knows, it would certainly be, would be her, so. Anybody out there, uh, yeah. Right. Who, who? Nobody. <laughs> nobody second guessed that. I, I. I guess so. Yeah. He. He is. Twenty three. Soon to be twenty four. I guess on his next birthday. And and he was a bit a bit of a one year wonder in college. Um. You know he had that awesome year for for West Virginia. But um. You mentioned he went to junior college before that and and obviously had some success at that level. But. Um, yeah, wide receiver 22, not a guy I'm going to take a shot on. I would give you 1-4 or 1-5 for him in a heartbeat. I, I, I think that's probably fair. I mean, if you're looking at those picks, 1-4, 1-5, those are likely to be wide receivers, and, the and the and you know, the guys in that range, Tyler Boyd, Josh Dotson, they're well down this list. Uh, Michael Thomas, you know, they're in the 50s, 60s. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that would be fair. I would I would probably give those picks as well, even though, you know, I have some clear concerns about White. Yeah, I, I'd probably give one three actually. Yeah, that that would be the push for me. Would, and I'm not I'm not sure I would be able to do that. Um, the two things that can I interject? Yeah, the two please. things I would say is that means White lost zero value for being off for a whole year. Which I'm okay with. I understand, but I'm just, you know, sometimes we, you know, he was injured, he's older, all this other stuff. But the second part, and this is the part I hesitate on, is that do we say that now, but by the time we have rookie drafts, I think that that'll flip and that 1-3 will be worth more, possibly the 1-4, as the rookie, we get past the combine, Ryan and I have lived these hype cycles in YouTube, Matt, for a long time. You know, it goes up May, June, and it, those guys, I think, will be worth more. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that on the show a couple times. Like, what if Henry is Dallas's second-round pick? You know, everyone in the world will be like, oh, i got to get him. He's going to score a million touchdowns. Or what if next week Tyler Boyd, who everyone doesn't think is going to run great, he runs a 4-4-5. You know, all of a sudden the hype train is going to go crazy. So you're right. I mean – Two two weeks from now, this conversation is going to be a lot different. All right, Jeff, did you have uh, anyone else you want to mention at wide receiver? I just had Keenan Allen as my as my guy, just because he's a top five, top six guy when he's healthy. He and Devontae Parker are the same age, and so that kind of pushes my other point. It's just the same. Yeah, so we'll we'll move over to the undervalued guys. Jeff mentioned Allen. Um, I am kind of surprised. I, I think it's. I think it's a fine spot for him. He's the wide receiver 12, um, and he, when he was on the field last year, he was he was just amazing. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was, I mean, he had to be a, a top three or four wide receiver um, before that injury. Um, and so even even with that injury, he maintained that value, maybe even gained some value, and he's now the wide receiver 12 and ADP of 14 overall. So that early part of the second round, and um, you know, like Jeff said, maybe he maybe he even climbs from there. Matt, what about you? And and uh, undervalued wide receiver. I had two overvalued too. It was nice you just skip me. It's alright. Yeah, I'll get yeah. over it. <laughs> but I, I talk about this guy all the guy all the time, and I crush him. I I own him nowhere. I don't hate him, but I just think he's very overvalued. Jordan Matthews. I, I know he had good good numbers at the combine. I don't think he plays like a great athlete. I don't think he's a number one for Philly. I've talked about him enough on the show. The other one, and I, I don't know, feel super strongly about it, but Alan Hearns at 41 to me, I also think he's kind of just a guy. You know, that some of these guys that are a lot more talented 
are going to go past him on this list in the next year or two. Um, and then there's a few that I thought were undervalued or that not necessarily undervalued, but for this price, I'm certainly a buyer on. Rashad Perriman, Golden Tate, and maybe that's a little bit artificial. I'm not sure if that happened with Calvin Johnson. You know, some people thinking he was still on the team or not. But without him on the team, I think Tate's a little low. Um, Deshaun Jackson at 57, uh, I got no problem with him there. I mean, I'll, I'll take him there. And I haven't thrown Devontae Adams off the boat yet either. It, it, wide receiver 61, I, I'll take a chance on him. Yeah, I'm still I'm still hanging on to the Adams hope as well. Um, his his ADP maybe would have been even uh, even higher if it wasn't for me in there drafting him a, a couple times. Um, <laughs> Jeff mentioned his expectation of of those rookies gaining value, and that's exactly what I see with uh, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, he's he's my pick as being undervalued. He's the wide receiver 21. Uh, typically what you'll see in, in these startup drafts that include rookies, the first rookie will come off the board um, in the second round, and, and sometimes even the first two rookies in the second round. So Treadwell didn't quite make it. His ADP was 27 um, for February. I think by, you know, by the time we're doing June and July startup drafts, he's, he's gained you know, maybe five to ten spots. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all um, if if this draft process goes well for him, if if he's a mid-second rounder. So, Mac, can, you mentioned Matthews. Are you an Aguilar guy? Not really. Um, I would put, if I had to say, is Aguilar underrated or overrated as it stands right now, I would say he's underrated. But a year ago, I wasn't a buyer. I mean, I, I didn't use any rookie picks on him, despite having a wealth of rookie picks. But part of that's because I liked guys like Perryman and Parker and trying to think who else, but a lot more at the time, too. And and there's a little bit of the same argument with both those guys. I just don't see super high ceilings for either one. Gotcha. Thank you. All right, let's move over to the tight ends. Um, and I'll get us started on the overvalued side. I, I think Jeff might agree with me on this. Um, I chose Jordan Reed as my overvalued tight end. He's I did, too. He's Me currently, too. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll just sit around and sing Kumbaya then. Um, so Jordan Reed is the tight end three. He His ADP is 50, which on its own seems pretty reasonable. My argument with this is he's being drafted um, about half a round ahead of Travis Kelsey. He's being drafted a full round of, ahead of Greg Olson. And... Uh, let's see, almost three rounds ahead of guys like Zach Ertz. So Jordan Reed had had a great year, finished on a hot streak, and and was just you know putting up crazy numbers with Cousins throwing him the ball. But there is that injury concern. He's had multiple concussions. You know that the next concussion he has could end his career. That's that's how desperate this situation is. So I don't mind having Reed in that second tier of tight ends behind. Gronkowski, I just don't think he should be near the top of the tier. And my thinking is, and again, I mentioned this on Twitter as well, if you have a guy like that who has that clear risk, and Reed has that clear injury risk, he needs to be at the bottom of the tier. When when you're ranking a tier of players, you're basically saying, I value all of these guys about the same. So if, you're, if we're valuing Eifert and Reed and Kelsey and Olsen all about the same, and and Eifert actually with an ADP of 37 maybe maybe creating his own second tier. But if we're putting those those four guys in the same tier, then Reed should be at the bottom of the tier in my opinion. I 100% agree. I think we all agree. Obviously, uh, if we had been doing this show a year ago, I could really pat myself on the back because I was a huge Jordan Reed buyer a year ago. I've, I'm in five dynasty leagues. I owned him in all five dynasty leagues this year, and but he's not worth this. I mean, like you said, I just think his his stock has gone up too much. I don't think any of us are going to disagree. Two guys at tight end seven and eight, that I understand why they're there, but I just don't trust them, are Safarian Jenkins and Ebron. Those are actually two guys I, I kind of like. I, I don't know that I would say they're, they're either overvalued or undervalued. They're both yeah. near the bottom of that top 100 overall. Um, you know they're obviously still young. They haven't 
haven't really proven anything. They both had some big games. Um, you know, do you want to do you want to go into 2016 with either of those guys as your tight end one? No. Probably not. Probably not. But you know, maybe maybe you grab one of those guys and then you get uh, you Martellus know one of these, or one of these or veterans, or right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Antonio Gates in ADP outside yeah. of the top outside of the top 200. We saw this week he's he's likely to stay in San Diego. So you know, maybe you grab your I like to think of it sometimes as grabbing my my backup players first, which sounds crazy. Um, but you grab that young guy with upside early on because that's how those players are valued. And then you get your starter. You know, maybe it's Gates. We were talking about the quarterbacks. Maybe it's Romo or whoever. You grab those guys late in the draft. Jeff, I want you to chime in on Reed if you want, but especially uh, ASJ and Ebron. But I want to make one quick point. For what they cost – I would rather have Walford as a tight end 13 than paying the tight end 7 or 8 price for Safarian Jenkins and Ebron. I see the equal upside. I love his situation. I'm buying Walford left and right. He's on. Matt, I, Ryan, I sent my list. Ryan, all right, I, I want to, can I kick it back to you, Ryan, and then pull it back? Because I think we need, I have Reed on this list too, but I think we need to be as harsh on Eifert as we are on Reed with injuries. Do you all disagree with that? Uh, no, that's probably fair. And, and like I mentioned, his his ADP of 37 has him early in the fourth round where some of those other guys are in the 50s or 60s. Um, even guys like Delaney Walker outside of the top 100, Gary Barnage outside of the top 100. Um, yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to invest in in any of those tight ends in that second tier. Greg Olson is safe, but he's also the oldest of the bunch. Um, so, Two Eifert notes though, he could be losing their they could be losing their second and third best wide receivers, the Bengals. And on the opposite side, there's no way he's going to catch the same amount of touchdowns. I mean, he's going to have touchdown regression in a big way. I mean, the Mike Clay touchdown regression, he's the poster child. They met, yeah. They also lost Hugh Jackson, right? They did. Yeah. I don't know how that if that's going to kill them or not, but I think Eifert's targets go up, but his tight ends or his touchdowns go down, which is weird. But I just looked at him as being. Or am I sure I want to put that high of a pick on him? Now I on Clive, yeah. Matt. I know. You, I don't expect you. You and I have never met before this, but I know Ryan can back me up on this. Ryan and I are in a Debbie league together. And I pulled Clive out before senior year of college nice. at Miami, right when he had Clive Jr. and was getting his life back together. And Clive's my buy. I like, I love Clive. The other guy that I really like is Zach Miller down at tight end 31, just because with the thoughts of him starting and Martellus out at Chicago, tight end 31 seems like a steal for Zach Miller. Yeah. I like that a lot. Hey, okay, Jeff, I got to run one thing by you then. I gave up just two days ago. Total rebuild. My tight ends are garbage. I got a ton of picks. I gave up 202 for Clive and a 17 third. Win or lose? Win. Win yeah, if you. Uh, the only reason I say that is I think that top of the second is either a shoot player. Trade back for a guy that disappointed last year, like uh, Dorsett, right? You could probably get Dorsett or one of those guys for that pick. Or you try to address it for a guy that you believe in. And if you believe in Clive, the 202 is cheap. Yeah, I thought so too. And they pick up a third and 17. I want every 17 pick I can get. Yeah, I like that deal for you as well, Matt. Uh, yeah, on, on Clive Walford, uh, you know, in, in these Devi leagues, if you're if you're in one of those, if you're not, basically Devi means developmental. It gives you the chance to draft college players before they even get to the NFL. So we'll talk a lot about rookie drafts, but Devi drafts, you're drafting college, current college players. You know, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, um, Juju Smith. Those are those are some of the top Devi players available right now. And Jeff and I have a lot of conversations helping each other prepare for rookie drafts and Devi drafts. And, and he was really digging deep with this Clive Wolford, Miami tight end that I had never heard of um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, that's like so many of his calls, that one's looking like a good one right now. He's, he's tight in 13. He's only 24 years old. You know, they had, they had the Michael Rivera kid who, 
who had played pretty well for as a rookie as well uh, the previous season, and Wolford just came in and you know there was a little bit of a split there, but but he earned his his share of the pie pretty quickly. Um, so and I, rookie I, tight ends do nothing. I yeah, mean, I mean he excelled exceeded expectations. And I had high expectations. So let me ask you guys this. I think I know the answer, but I'll, I'll throw it out there. Uh, Clive is tight end thirteen. Jimmy Graham is tight end twelve. Obviously carries some big name value. If you have Jimmy Graham on your team, are you flipping him for Clive Wolford? Matt, what do you think? Ryan, you've been a part of like a dozen tweets asking from people, what do I do with Jimmy Graham? Who should I do? Should I buy him? Should I sell him? And I've intentionally ignored them all because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to answer that question. So I get enough tweets that I can get away with that. I'm like, oh, I didn't see it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor because – I still think if he was 100% and or the day before he got hurt in Seattle, I still considered him a buy. I was still on board. I think he's a special player when right because his stock had dropped a lot since he went to Seattle. Now it's, you know, he's tight end 12 and, you know, you can get him for super cheap, but he's a 29-year-old coming off a Victor Cruz disability, you know, disability, you know, disabling injury. I don't know how you could buy him, you know, I mean, unless you get him as a throw-in. So I would definitely rather have Walford, but I don't think if I have Graham, I'm just dumping him for a random, you know, for 3-6 or something. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think I don't think you're getting much more than 3-6 for right. Jimmy Graham. And, and despite what the ADP tells us, I don't think you can sell Graham for Walford. Um, there, there's a... A group of young tight ends there, starting with starting with Wolford at 13, Ladarius Green at 14, Max Williams at 15, and the rookie Hunter Henry at 16. I would prefer in, in, any of that group over Jimmy Graham. Jeff, what do you think? I'm tied on this, and, and Ryan, I'm not even going to tell you which owner this is, but there's there's this kind of owner in every one of our leagues. He offered me uh, Jimmy Graham for a first round pick plus. And of course I <laughs> yesterday. Love Ryan, that. I'm gonna let you think about it and guess who it is. Yeah, and I laughed at it. There's because, a few options. Yeah. <laughs> but the prop Matt, you brought up a great and point about you're buying injury. low on them. <laughs> <laughs> Get them now while he's about, cheap. Only a first round pick. But think about it, Graham's gonna be thirty years old by the time he's he's healthy. And why even invest in that? If you're going to invest in that, pay more at that age and get Olsen or somebody or Delaney Walker's probably similarly priced. Clive is the, I think Clive is going old school baseball, the Mendoza line right there because Jimmy Graham, Barnage, Julius Thomas. I don't, I'd rather have Clive than those guys. You guys disagree? Uh, Julius Thomas is one of my, undervalued. So no, but the rest of it I agree. Easily. Yeah, I just and ASJ. Yeah. I'm with you there. Matt, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, talk about Julius Thomas as your undervalued tight end? It goes back to the Yeldon argument that uh, I'm buying on Jacksonville's offense. I mentioned I don't love Hearns. I think Thomas uh, I, I know he's been sort of he's been touchdown dependent, but I also think that's his his genre. I mean that's what he's good at. They're going to throw him the ball, you know, in the end zone a lot. Denver did as well. Um, I, I think he played injured for much of his early season. I, I think he's a very talented player. Uh, I think he's more of a tight end six-ish than, than tight end ten. And the other guy I think is really undervalued on here, but it's not like I love him. Charles Clay at tight end 26. I mean, I'll take him over Will Ty, who's going six guys ahead of him. Charles Clay, I'm a Charles Clay fan when he came out. You go back yeah. and look at his tape and his numbers when he was playing at Tulsa. He had 1,000-yard seasons. Not very many tight ends. back and handed him the ball once in a while, and yeah. he was kind of a yeah multifaceted guy. But will Buffalo use him enough for him to even be worth rostering? No, I mean, I wouldn't pursue him, but I, I'm shocked he's this low on the list. Gotcha. You agree with me on Julius? I guess not. Um, I just don't like that price. I mean, I, I'd rather wait around a half or whatever and get Clive or one of those other guys. 
even Martellus several rounds later. So the guy I had pegged as undervalued is Max Williams. He's the tight end 15. He his ADP is 140 overall, so easily outside of that outside of that top 10 rounds. I kind of see a, a Tyler Eifert path with him, uh, hopefully without the season-ending injury in the second season. But uh, you know, Eifert came out. He was drafted by Cincinnati, who already had um, Jermaine Gresham. So there was there was a little bit of concern there, but Eifert Eifert was a first round rookie pick, a, a high first round rookie pick in in some of my drafts. I remember him going at at 1.03 and and being shocked. But so he he was a guy that people had high expectations for. He didn't do a whole lot during his his rookie season. He he had some flashes, and then of course his the beginning of his second season he suffered that elbow injury that that uh, took him out. Um, and and we know how how this past season went for for Eifert. I kind of see some similarities though, just in their situation. Eifert, I think, has flourished because he he's basically the second receiver on that team. And I I think Max Williams will be in the same situation. He's only 21 years old. You can get him in the 12th or 13th round of of rookie drafts. I'm sorry, of startup drafts. That that's an easy pick in my opinion. Jeff, what do you think on it? I have some thoughts, too, after you're done. I like Max. And also, uh, that Ravens offense, I expect to turn over a lot this draft and next. I mean, the Ravens don't invest in free agents, so we have to think it's going to be through the draft, right? And so I think this draft and next, they're going to address their skill positions. They have to. Older running backs, older receivers. I'm interested to see how that plays out, but I am a big Max fan. I had him last year. I, I like his athleticism, especially – you know, around pick 140. Uh, he's great to have as a tight end, too. So to Ryan's point earlier, having Antonio Gates and Max Williams as your two tight ends, no problem at all. Right, Ryan? Absolutely. And, and you're not you're not spending a, a pick on the top 10 or 12 rounds. So, again, easy pick in my opinion. Matt, what do you think about Max Williams? Uh, there's two things I slightly disagree with you guys on. I think Eifert, and this, and you didn't say he is Tyler Eifert. I think Eifert's clearly more gifted. I mean, I think he's a more talented field stretcher, a little taller, a little more athletic. And I don't think Baltimore is going to drastically change their skill position players as much as a lot of people think. I mean, just watching Ozzie Newsome over the years, I bet that sixth overall pick is the best defensive player available, and I bet the next one in the second round is the best defensive player available. You know, at any position, let's rebuild the defense. We can live with these running backs. We have Steve Smith. Perryman comes back. Aiken looked okay. We like our young tight ends. We can live with these skill guys for one more year, but I bet Ozzie can't live with that defense, just knowing who he is. But I also know that Ozzie, I know for a fact that that organization adores Max Williams, and more so than they've let on. People sort of on the inside have told me they love this guy, and they should. And another feather in his cap is, when they get that near the goal line, those receivers I mentioned aren't going to be the primary guys. It's going to be Williams. So, Matt, you mentioned that Steve Smith will be back. Is that certain? I haven't seen I that. I thought certain. so. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, didn't we hear that a month or so ago that he's not hanging it up and he's going to do one more year? Or did I yeah. dream I, that? I, no, I think that's correct. I think he announced that okay. that he was he was coming back for one more season. Um, okay. Kind kind of what we expected after that injury, I guess. Um, so I I think Williams' production, especially in that sec in his second year coming up, depends a lot on what Perriman can do, and and that's another unknown. Um, you know, he like White, he had the injury that kept him out all season. Um, so we we just don't know if he's going to be able to adjust um, and, and be a you know be a starter for the Ravens. All right, well, that's um, some good conversation on some overvalued and undervalued players in Dynasty. Let's wrap up tonight with um, looking at a couple of Dynasty trades. Uh, I've, I'm wearing my Kentucky shirt, my Kentucky hat, so let's talk about Randall Cobb, my uh, my favorite receiver in the league. I've got a couple of Randall Cobb trades for you, and well, we'll see what you guys think about these. You, you probably already know my opinion. Um, <laughs> So the first one is a, a Randall Cobb buyer. He gave Eric Decker and the 2.02 .02 pick 
and he got Cobb. What Jeff? What do you think about that one? Oh, I think that's a steal. Even though I know in Ryan's you know affinity for Cobb, I should have snuck him in on my overdrafted, overvalued uh, wide receivers. But yeah, the two-two, just like we talked about it with Clive, right? I mean, it's the same conversation. The two-two is a steal for any player you love because it's such an unknown. I mean, go look at like last year's two-twos, Dorsett. J-A-J-I-J-J-E, how you pronounce his last name. You know, it's all guys with, with very big question marks. If there's somebody you love that's proven, he's always worth the two, you know, that early second round. So you want Cobb? I want Cobb in that. Even though, let me be very specific, I am not a Cobb fan. I'd rather have Jordy than Cobb, almost straight up, even with the age difference. But, I mean, I... Ryan, did with, did Cobb produce uh, receiver one numbers for any big stretch last year? Uh, I wish he did, but no, <laughs> no. I mean, he was, you know, he's as much as as big a fan as I am of Cobb. You know, he's got to be viewed as one of the biggest disappointments of the past season, especially with, you know, with the expectations after that Jordy injury. Um, he just wasn't able to fill that that wide receiver one role. Uh, Matt, what about you? Are you taking Cobb and giving Decker and the 2.02? I guess I take Cobb, yeah, and you know, Jeff brought up really good reasons. But Decker's not a slouch. I mean, I think Decker's a very good football player, and I don't think his production was fluky this year. I, mean, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to be on the field every down. So, I mean, he's not just a throw-in here. I mean, I think he's a, a very quality player that you start almost every week. Um, so I think it's a little bit close. And... Cobb's, I'm not a buyer on Cobb. I mean, I think that versus ADP. I, I mean, he would never end up on my team in a startup. He is unusually young. He's in a good situation, despite what we saw last year. But I still take him in this, but I don't love him. I have a hunch you like him more than I do. Yeah, maybe. All <laughs> right, we, we've got one more Randall Cobb trade. Um, You're taking Cobb, right? Hey, Ryan. The only thing I was going to throw in there is Decker. If anybody's a fan of Decker, the time to buy is the offseason when everybody forgets at his production. I mean, he goes for almost nothing in the offseason, right? It, it, it really is crazy. Good. Yeah, it really is crazy some of these guys like Decker. I mean, he's he's a little bit older. You know, I mean, he's older than, than you know, he's, he, this is not his second or third year in the league. He's been around. Um and and just produces at such high level, especially this past season. And once that off season hits, you know, people just give up on on those guys or, or forget how productive they were. So yeah, absolutely. Decker's a great guy to buy right now. His teammate Brandon Marshall's is another one. And not to sound stereotypical, but I've been around this game a long time, and a lot of people will say he really tries hard. He's not a great athlete. He knows how, you know he's a smart player. He's a pretty good athlete, too. He can get deep. I mean, don't undervalue what he is as, in terms of his gifts. Matt, you bring up that just because he's a white guy, right? Exactly. And I remember, I don't know, there's a friend of mine, Bob Henry, a football guy, that mentioned this because I was high on Jordy when he came out because I saw Jordy turn the corner on a keep to lead at KU playing K-State, and I was like, Jordy's a player because Tlaib was a great cornerback. Yeah, Jordy can fly. Yeah. For a big dude. Sorry, Ryan. No, no, that's fine. One more, uh, one more Randall Cobb trade before we wrap it up tonight. Um, this guy traded Andrew Luck. This is, uh, I'm assuming this is a one quarterback league. He doesn't say otherwise. He traded Andrew Luck and he got Randall Cobb and a 2017 first rounder. Um, Matt, what are you thinking on that one? This one's really lopsided to me, and I don't even like Cobb. <laughs> you know, I just love that 2007 first. And if you can get that for any quarterback, yeah, sign me up. And I would make this deal, and then I'd put Cobb on my trading block and see what I could get. You can get another, get another 2017 first for sure. Yeah, yeah and maybe another. I mean, one, I mean, and something else. So if you could turn luck into 217 first and some young guy you like, that that sounds like stealing to me. Yeah, luck, Luck's value has taken a hit. He was he was a first-rounder in, in – uh, Good portion of startup drafts last off season, and now with with his down year and just the continued 
drop in quarterback value overall. He's he's a third rounder. Um, yeah, I, I agree. This is a lopsided trade. I, I think you can make a case for either Cobb or or even the future first over Luck um, on their own. So to get both pieces together, easy trade in my opinion. But I know we're running late. But to go back to about 50 minutes ago when we started talking about quarterbacks, I can make the argument Luck's my number one. I might rather have him than Newton or Wilson or Rodgers. I mean, I still think he is a superstar. But to Ryan's counterpoint to that, you sell him for the first and then spend oh, the yeah. second on Rivers. Uh, and no, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he's worth more than a, than a random future first, uh, even right. in that even in that 2017 class that that we already love so much. Yeah, totally agree. Well, that will will end our night. Thanks so much to our guest, Jeff T. Fertiller. Jeff, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work? Oh, I'm at Football Guys, and I'm on Twitter, Jeff T. Fertiller. Um, You might have to look at one of these guys, just check spelling on T. Fertiller. (laughs) But uh, always looking to talk football, enjoy it, play a lot of leagues, stay active in the offseason, especially all the value conversation I always enjoy, just trying to think how can we – how can we uh, take advantage of all situations? And it's been a great time. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, you're a great guest. Thank you. Thanks for being with us, Jeff, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>